You gotta rock on to Electric Avenue. And then you take it higher. <laughs> this this episode is about music. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Outpost, a podcast about inspired thinking. I'm feeling inspired today, mostly because I'm sitting next to Derek. It's a good day when I'm sitting next to Derek. It's a great day, isn't it? On the other The coffee's couch. brewing. You know. Don't bring up the coffee again. <laughs> that'll, already... that'll be a story for a different day, I guess. Um, I got Mark and Krista on the other couch. Um, Mark, what color are you feeling today? Ooh, I'm going to go with like a mauve. Okay. And does it have a texture? Yeah, it's a little... It's a little gritty. You're a gritty mauve today. Yeah, gritty mauve. Yeah, going I with feel gritty that. Mauve. I feel that. Well, let's start out with uh, some community questions. Okay. So, Derek, can you give us our first community question? Yes, I can. Our first one is, what is your favorite way to consume media? Okay, I thought you were going to say some sort of potato con- consumption. But um, favorite way. I, I take in a lot of social media content. I scroll a lot. Is it my own content half the time? Maybe it is. <laughs> um, I also am a fan of going through old seasons of stuff on Amazon Prime or Netflix and, and having a long form story over, you know, 10, 12 hours of episode content that I can watch or listen to over uh, multiple weeks. That is nice. It's nice to have a storyline outside yourself that kind of draws you along through life. You don't have to focus so much on your own storyline. Is that too far? <laughs> we were just going to let you keep going and just see where it led. I mean. <laughs> okay. Anybody else? What's your favorite way to consume media? I don't know if I have a particular medium that I like to consume, but when I do consume media, I like to not be terribly distracted. I'm mm. um, like watching movies or like listening to music and that sort of stuff. The less distraction I have going around, usually the more I enjoy it. So like I love going to movies and I love going to movies by myself mm. just because there's nobody there to distract me from what I'm watching and I really enjoy that. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I feel like I'm constantly just trying to get media off of me. Like it's <laughs> it's trying to consume me most of the time and and I agree with Derek if I'm going to do something I kind of want to be intentional about it and mm-hmm push everything else out of the way so that I can focus on it and maybe enjoy the depth of it. Yeah. Like finding what's that? I was going to say when people have like movies on in the background kind of drives me nuts because I'm like, I just want to sit down and watch the movie. I was going to ask. So for both of you, then are you like your one screen people? Yeah. You know, there's, you don't have one screen you're watching and then another one that you're doing an activity. on. I have been known to do that too, but I find that, your fractured focus is not necessarily always effective. Sometimes it is. If you don't have anything really important and you're kind of doing some brainless work over here, sometimes there'll be a podcast or something in the background. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I, I find that I'm pulled towards things maybe from my childhood or they're more nostalgic for me to kind of get away from the constant wave, the oppression of media <laughs> these Consuming days. Consuming you. It does feel <laughs> that way a lot. Uh-huh. And I feel like I just want to leave all my screens and just go off into the forest for like a year. Amen to that. I love that. But I probably wouldn't survive. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, where's my screen? <laughs> I feel like 
my visual and verbal thinking can kind of run concurrently. So I really like putting on an audiobook and then doing art or like painting mm. and drawing. And it, it allows me to have time to read all these books that I want to read. And it seems like they don't really conflict with one another, the drawing and the listening. And sometimes they inform one another. Although then it's also really nice to just give my full attention to a physical book and feel its cover and its pages and mm -hmm. just curl up in a, in a comfy couch and just give my full attention to a book. So I, I kind of see both advantages to both. Like going to the art museum too. You know, I think one of the, one of the greatest enjoyment or the, the most enjoyment out of going to the art museum is that you're there to look at art. It's not like art on a wall because you mm -hmm. figure how we, you don't like stumble upon it. Yeah, or it's like, you know, on in somebody's house or it's in an office building or wherever you find art, which is literally everywhere. But, you know, you don't give yourself the opportunity to actually fully take it in. And so having those those spaces or those moments where you can focus solely on that piece of media kind of enhances your understanding and appreciation of it. That is really true. And you can get the full scale of the piece yeah. and, and get in close and see the intricacies and mm -hmm. see it from afar. That's a really good point. All I can think about is how maybe your mustache is like art and I'm just going to take it in <laughs> from that over here. I'm growing it out, but it's like getting to the point where I have to like put it, I have to like tuck it away to the sides so I like chew on it all day. Well, I'm going to fully take it in here for you a needs, minute. You really, need the, you need the wax it. now? I feel like I should do like, yeah, Start like waxing it or I could like do a Salvador Dali sort of thing and just really let it go out. Do it. <laughs> all do right, it. Let's, let's move on. I dare you. <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and move on to the next question. Derek, what do you got for us? I really like this one. And it's if you could be a music genre, what genre would so you be? So it's not what's your favorite music genre. If you could Correct. Be... If, you could, if you could embody a particular music genre, what would it be? Mark, what do you got? Pretty predictable for me, but orchestral, non-lyrical, down-tempo score. Describe your, but your... not epic, not epic and intense. There's got to be like mellow. Describe right? what you would look like. Would you have like flowing arms that just like slowly move? Like I want to like embody. Like what is the embodiment of this feel like to you? Like a great swelling of a wave I was just, just say moving ocean. slowly Except i imagined you um kind of flitting about on top of the ocean like if you imagine where every time that there's a, a little ping in the music his foot touches the water i do flit about <laughs> yes. quite a bit uh-huh i, I like i like to flit yes about yes and it makes musical sounds as you people go. ask me often you know what are you flitting about <laughs> All right, Krista. Do you have an answer? I, what are you flitting about? I, I really, I really, I really, I I'm really curious what Krista is. What, what? I feel like I'm too fractured. I don't. I can't. I'm not one genre. You're what are like you a fractured about? I, Country rap? Is that what you're like? Country <laughs> rap. Wow. Or the abbreviated version, crap. No. Oh. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't know. It like, depends on the day. Okay. I guess today, I feel like Gregorian chanting. Wow. Ooh. Gregorian <laughs> like chanting. You Can know what? You... I could see that. Mm -hmm. I really could. <laughs> Was that Tibetan throat singing too? That stuff's really cool mm -hmm. if you've ever seen it. Mm -hmm. Okay. What about you, Derek? <sighs> Is it too hard? No. Tell the truth. I we all say, know. I want to say jazz, but I feel like this really cliche. 
Everybody's like, oh, cool, Jazz, you're so avant-garde, Derek. Mm -hmm. That's cool. It's very grown up. (laughs) Um, If I could embody a musical genre, I think I would probably want to embody, like, probably metal music, but, like, old-school metal music. I would never have guessed that, Derek. Yeah. If I could. False. Okay, what would I be? Tell me. Musical theater. You just turn around, and you look, and you... That to me is like, it's I Disney. already embody it's that. It's straight Disney. It's what I could. Okay, so you're saying if you could if you could be anything, you're not yeah. saying what you actually are. Yeah, exactly. Like if oh. I could experience, if I could embody something. It's the it's more the fun, lighthearted, bouncy Disney. But I don't want to be that all the time. No, he's like it's exhausting. Depth. There, well, there's depth to that whole genre, right? He said, like you can go from of metal of music. Ocean. Yeah, Mr. Orchestral score over there. <laughs> he said orchestral, not soundtracks. Come on. <laughs> okay. But but yeah, I like metal. I like, feel like metal music would be really good to, to embody. I want to see you dressed up in some sort of metal costume for Halloween this year. Okay. Okay. Can make that happen. I can find some black nail polish and some eyeliner and some. Yes. Eye. This is I happening. Can make that We're happen. doing this. Okay, good. It's cool. Um, All of us. <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind is I, 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 it feels corny. It feels cheesy. But like, um, I feel like I could definitely be Hanson's music. I mean, give me the like mbop. mbop. Like, am I not the embodiment of mbop? I don't know what that oh, is. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's adorable. Boy. I know. <laughs> Where's my cane? Before I don't know. Time. Just that really kind of pop. You know, mm-hmm. I mean. Bop, bop. The way I present myself is kind of up there, you know. A little beat. You need a little beat. Uh-huh. A little positive energy. Yes. Beat. Yeah. Uh-huh. That feels like you. Hanson Brothers. Mbop. I'll send you a link, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a CD you could send him or like a, a, like a tape? Are they Pull on 8-track? <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on to our main topic now. Now um, I'm mad. Now I'm angry. <laughs> the vibe is gone. Our main topic for today is how does nope it's not how. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna start. Gonna start Do we need to talk it through like you talked through the other question with me? Remember that? Do we want to? <laughs> sorry, <laughs> actually I'm not sorry. What am I talking about? Think about donuts. Okay, let's move on to our main topic for today. Our main topic is what does your work day look like? Okay, in the creative industry. Especially with many different types of creatives here on the couch today. I'm just very curious how our productivity is similar, how it's different, how we block our days, um, how we Mm -hmm. work with each other when we have different styles. So there's a lot to dive into. Um, Let's start with with Derek. What does an average workday look like for you? So for me, I like I don't. I like to get started a little bit earlier, but I'm not very disciplined at it. Okay. And that's something I think I'm trying to work on a little bit more. Mark's known me for seven years, and he's seen the full gamut of me arriving at 10 and then me arriving at 6 and then landing somewhere in the middle around <laughs> there. But um, I, I know that when I start my day earlier, and that's that, it's not to say like I'm starting at you know 4 a.m. Like, like Steve Jobs did or mm-hmm. you know that sort of stuff. But the earlier I start my day, the more productive I can feel because then I can have that protected time and I'm sure Mark will talk about this too when he talks about his day but I really learned that from him in that having those quiet moments to start your day is incredibly valuable and you should fight for that Um, 
But outside of that, after kind of that first half of the morning, it gets a little chaotic. Yeah. Particularly working in client services, especially, you just have to be responsive to clients' needs and that sort of stuff and shifting deadlines and that sort of stuff. And there's a, you know, a team of, of three of us. So, um, you know, people have feedback and that sort of stuff. But um, the more you can block it, the better. So I try to block out my day. And then I try to be done, you know, with the majority of my, like, real focusy work by about four so I can try to coast into the evening mm-hmm. um, just because I'm really not a big fan of taking work home yeah in in graphic design and any sort of digital industry where you work from your computer um, it's very easy to kind of violate that boundary mm-hmm. um, and so that's another thing that that I specifically have tried to work on too is you know when you go home you know if you do have to do things, make sure they're very minimal small things or things that you enjoy that's so. one thing i've evolved over time is i used to when my kids were really little i used to save work to do for after they went to bed and it was like you know an 8 to 11 p.m shift or something and it caused the most misery that i probably had mm. in in any of my career is forcing myself to work when i'm tired <clears throat> after a long day and after parenting for a mm-hmm. long day um that was misery. It's like that brain shift. And maybe that that's kind of what it is, too, is that if you're switching between different things, it becomes lossy. Mark and I talk about that a lot, about switching between tasks um, and how lossy that can be. But, you know, when you get home and you spend time with your kids, in your example, you know, your mindset's already shifted into spending time with people you love. And mm-hmm. then you got to go back to work. It's like kind of doing a whole morning routine over again where you kind of have to take a deep breath and mm-hmm. dive back in sometimes it's necessary but sometimes but but I used it way too much when when I was earlier in my career and I think it was really really hard on me yeah um Mark talk about your average work day a little bit here mine feels like a giant downhill ramp with a little bump at the end mm-hmm. little, little evil can evil ramp jump, for those of you who know who evil can evil was uh, can you send me a link yeah <laughs> So I like to have a sense of productivity um, as, as early as possible, a sense of accomplishment. So I do get up really early, um, not as early as some, but, you know, in the five o'clock hour and try to get to a coffee shop at six when they open here. Um, and it's just sketchbook and orchestral scores. Uh <laughs> And no distractions. So the thing that I've trained myself to do in the past probably five, six years is to not look at the emails, not get drowned with somebody else's false sense of urgency, mm-hmm. and let that set the tone for my day. Uh, because in creative work, you need you need as much freedom and as much non-distracted tunnel time as you can get. At least I do. And just being in client services can be very distracting <laughs> and and even in you know in what we do as creatives uh i protect that space in the morning now for a good two three hours and sometimes longer so that i can get a lot accomplished i hit it hard i focus hard i i don't you know every couple hours i take a little break i get some coffee i get you know a snack or something and i come back and then by lunchtime, I feel like this sense of accomplishment is is met, which is like 11 for me. And then I kind of take a break. Sometimes I'll, like if we're working remotely, I'll come to the office and we'll go get coffee or whatever. A few of us take a walk. 
just kind of decompress a little bit. And then when I get home, uh, or, or as I start kind of round two, I'll do another session like that where I'll go deep and I will respond to some emails. I'll make some phone calls, whatever I need to do kind of in the afternoon, the early afternoon so that nobody's waiting too long. Mm -hmm. But then Mm -hmm. I, so I just kind of closed open, closed open. I like how you talk about the change in physical space too, when you're doing different activities, you know, you're starting off productive in one actual physical space. Then when you're opening up your mind and being a little bit more flexible, you're, you have movement, some physical Mm. movement as you're going on walks and then you come back home and tunnel down for that activity. I think at least for me too, those changes in physical space make such a difference in my ability to transition to a new type of task and, and tunnel into a new type of task it's way too hard if i'm trying to maintain a level of productivity in the same space in the same environment with the same energy yeah a side note just just based on what on what derek was saying about multitasking there's a there's a couple things that i do uh one of them is what i've heard termed as slow motion multitasking so basically if i get stuck or if i feel like i'm not productive on something that feels important I'll just jump onto something completely unrelated and move that progress bar forward, right? And then come back fresh to the other thing. So I'm always using my best energy on Mm -hmm. something that feels like it's actually moving the needle instead of grinding and really trying to beat your head against the wall Mm. on something that isn't moving the needle forward. And so having two or three things that you can work on uh, that are significant, I think is good uh, for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is maybe a little different than my neurotic nature, which is like uh, something's taking too long to load and I'm opening another tab and starting another task and then going back to that task and then moving back to the other (laughs) one. I'm not sure that's the most efficient, but I mean, I do do a lot of things (laughs) in a short period of time going tab to tab as things are loading. That's yeah. Faster multitasking. (laughs) 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 I'm glad you brought that up about kind of switching or giving yourself the opportunity to switch between tasks because, you know, as creative people, and I think everybody runs into the same thing is that you do kind of hit against that wall. And and I think, you know, we've been told a lot that you just got to power through, right? Power through it and just keep going and that sort of stuff. But like, that's just going to cost you so much more in the long run. Like if you have three meaningful things to work on that you feel like when you do have that inspiration and that best, that best ability to move that needle, allowing yourself to kind of switch between those is really important mm-hmm. i i go ahead i was just gonna say in some jobs you don't necessarily have the luxury of switching to something else mm-hmm. right you're True. you're grinding and so i think sometimes what you're telling yourself in your head or what you're thinking about the frame that you build for your work can make it more um more enjoyable you know because there's drudgery with every job right all of our jobs have things that we don't want to do that have to get done. And sometimes it's crunch time. It's like, okay, everybody stop the fun stuff. And now it's time to mm-hmm. do the dishes, pick up the broom, like whatever your, your grunt work is at your job. Grinding through that can also give you a sense of accomplishment. And you can, a lot of times, focus your mind on other things uh, and be, again, it's kind of like multitasking. You can be productive mm-hmm thinking through things while you're doing something that you don't want to do and it can create a a positive experience and so that's just kind of a weird trigger that yeah there's like a nuance there where it's like very very brain intensive tasks for example you know if if i'm running up against something like that i'll run into you know 
a brain block, but then I'll like go sweep the floor, do, you know, do Mm -hmm. menial chores that are, that are not fun to do. And you're right, Mark, like that allows me to like use a different half of my brain that essentially like lets the creative side of my brain kind of cool down a little bit before I fire it back up. It almost opens up space for it to develop Mm -hmm. naturally without Mm -hmm. the pressure. Like it, it makes space for your subconscious to kind of work through it too. Definitely. Very well put. Um, for me, I feel like I have so many different types of tasks that I do in my career that I actually don't block a normal work day. It's more like a work week for me. Mm. It's like on Mondays, I focused primarily on content writing, content editing, content planning. Tuesdays are all of my team-focused meetings. Wednesday are all of my consulting calls. Thursday are all of my um, digital media video podcast creation and then Friday is kind of a grab bag. So mm. it's that's not what I've done for the, a long period in my career. It took me a while to kind of start grouping tasks in a way that allowed me to not have to shift hats so much in one day, but to have space that this day is held for this type of activity. It probably took me a good six months to transition mm. fully from ad hoc tasking to dedicated days for tasks. But that has made a huge difference for my productivity in my workday. Does that give you the opportunity to reach a stopping point at the end of the day? Like Maybe you, it does. Like, you know what I mean? Where you don't feel like there's just this <laughs> never ending, like you mm-hmm. can always do more. That, I think, is beneficial mm-hmm. from, from a number of ways. Like, these are the things I have to get done today. And when they're done, I'm done is something that I try, I strive for mm-hmm. a lot. And I think subgrouping might be one of the keys yes. to that. Mm-hmm. With dedicated days for those things. So if it doesn't get done that Tuesday, it's not going to get done till the next Tuesday. And that just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Krista, what about you for, is there a normal workday style for you? What does that look like? Hmm. Well, I feel like I have an interesting balance to have to kind of maintain because I, I do have this very strong internal kind of connection to things like I want to dig very deep and you know relate to the environment and bring that all into my work but then I which I guess is kind of the more free-flowing type thing but then I also have a very strong conscientiousness and desire to meet deadlines and and outward focus focus on other people and and how can I you know make things good for other people and so I think I have to make sure to leave room for the first, which I tend to get more into responsibility and and, and these kind of putting outward pressures on myself. And I find that as a person, everything that I do kind of leads into the whole. And so when I make room for that kind of unstructured, like allowing my environment and and just allowing things to like we're talking about gel subconsciously then that just feeds and Mm -hmm. drives and gives like real meaning and purpose to the work that I'm doing and that has been just a really important balance that I'm learning to kind of tread what's interesting as I'm hearing all of us talk is that we all have different styles However, we all work together. So how do you take a team of creatives who all have different working styles and workday habits and and make that work? How do, how do you create chemistry around that so you actually create something great as a team without bumping up against each other's work styles? What has that been like for you, Mark, as you've kind of grown and, and molded a, a team? How, how do you make that work when everybody works differently? Well, it's nuanced 
And in my role, you know, I want to try to provide the resources and the direction for each person kind of curated or catered towards what they need and, and learn to respond and learn to speak in different, you know, different ways to each individual person, uh, and kind of foster a connection individually. And I don't know that I'm necessarily very good at that yet, but I feel like that's kind of the goal, uh, in the workspace. I think it's very nuanced. I think the relationships are different between each person, uh, each, each couple of <clears throat> people. And, and I think, I don't know if there is a way to really control that, right? Like that's kind of what, what builds culture and the way that Derek relates to Krista is different than the way, you know, Justin and I relate. And, <clears throat> you know, there's so many variables and so many connection <clears throat> points that I think what holds that together is the commonality of the vision and the purpose of why mm -hmm. we're here doing what we're doing, because everybody is a different lens. Yes, and, I love that. Yeah. And, and they see the world differently and, and add different kind of color or tint or shade to, to the whole, like a mosaic is a, is a term I use a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, I don't know. I think there's something to be said for, you know, feeding it and letting it grow and not trying to micromanage it. I mm -hmm. think that's the key that I have learned, especially with creatives. They do not like to be micromanaged. I don't think very many people like to be micromanaged, <laughs> but some people do, but yeah, as a business owner, I think one of the things you learn over, you know, painful years is you got to let people grow and you got to let people take things and own them and do what they're going to do. Even if it doesn't feel right to you, you kind of have to let that come to fruition. And so that's kind of my approach. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, here's the direction. Here's a general direction. But now, like, for example, Krista, I need you to like run, like, like put your flavor and your tint and your view on this thing, but make sure it meets these three criteria. And also, can you have it done in 36 hours? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that? I thrive on that. I yeah. love that. Show me what, show me what you can do in 12 and then mm -hmm. we'll, we'll meet again and see if we're on the right path so that we can do course corrections knowing that this is due in 36 hours. Yeah. I, I really thrive on that and love that. I think there's this kind of stereotype that artists, you know, don't like deadlines. They don't like, <laughs> you, you know, but I think that when you apply all that you are and all that you have, and you also have this, these kind of walls or structures to bounce that yes. off of, then that creates something really strong and you're not floating in space and you're not contained in a box. You are a, a, a being interacting with the whole environment. Well, I think that's so true. Whenever you have, whenever I'm coming up with a social media strategy, I love it when it gets, starts to get layered where it's like, okay, we have these campaigns and I want these visual elements and I want this frequency. And so all of a sudden these layers kind of build on top of each other to create this pressure cooker for, for great content. Like you have the strategy has to come through when you put that much pressure on it. And, and I love that. Deadlines are for pros, right? Like nobody really enjoys the pressure but that's what's make that's what makes people good at what they do. You say, okay, this is my timeline. What is the best possible thing that I can contribute to, given these parameters and these restrictions? If you don't have those things, I think I think that flexibility. I don't know. It leads to 
it, it leads to a laziness. It leads to a different type of a perspective where you're not putting enough pressure on yourself to really show what you're capable of. Yeah. And it doesn't show you your agility and it doesn't show you your flexibility. Mm-hmm. Like you don't learn to train those muscles. And when you have deadlines and when you have restrictions, it gives you an opportunity to fill the edges, right? Mm-hmm. To go of the box that yes. you're in, you can go to the corners and you can, you can contribute knowing what those parameters are and pushing on them a little bit, going as far as you can. But without those, you're almost just like lost without direction. Mm-hmm. It gives you too much. It's almost too much freedom, right? Within within a creative box, because there, with any creative problem, there are a million ways you can approach it, right? And if you have an unlimited amount of time and you do not have that deadline, even if it's internal or you know arbitrary to some degree. Um, you know, you're going to just meander and you're not going to get anywhere very quickly. You're going to waste time. Um, and you're not going to have a good product at the end because you're just allowing yourself to be fractured across all these different ideas. And that's something that, that I've definitely learned over the years is that not, not giving yourself, you know, those parameters, that box, that, that channel to operate within can kind of come back to bite your in the butt. It's expensive and it's slow and you don't have anything pushing against you to make, to force your best out of you. This is why so many people want to do something. They say, Oh, I'm going to do this creative thing. I'm going to write this book. I'm going to do this thing. And then they don't do it Mm -hmm. because they don't have any, there's, there's no responsibility. Like there's nobody holding them accountable. Accountability is the word. And once you have that in place and you have to do it, then it's go time and then you get to show what you're made of. And I think when you look at that through a really positive lens, it can be a strong tool for advancing your career or advancing, you know, your utility as a professional or as a creative or even just as a person, as a dad, as a, you know what I mean? And so I've really come to kind of embrace that type of pressure and not necessarily look at it as a bad thing. Um, stuff still goes crazy, right? And mm-hmm. chaos ensues and people scream and all those different things. <laughs> and it's, it's wild, but that's what makes us better. Yeah. Don't you think working as a team like this, it's, we run this, this balance line of, of accountability and grace. Like mm. we have to show grace to each other as a team of creatives, because in order for us to operate at our optimum level, we have to be our a human being. Like we have to be in our humanness in order to be great at our creative work, which means that we're not a cog. We can't operate exactly this way. We can't replicate what we're doing. We can't do it in exactly this amount of time. But we do have to have a sense of accountability. Mm -hmm. And so it's this balance between the two that I think is what makes um, a a team of creatives work well together. It's really well said. Yeah, trust trust holds it together. So if one person's kind of waning mm-hmm. and hurting the team, if the team can come around that person and bolster them, then there's so much trust that goes all the way around and that person who's struggling builds confidence and is motivated mm-hmm. and then can become stronger and it helps the whole. And investing in each other is the way that I think we should we should frame that, right? Like all of us are a really good investment in each other as neighbors, as, you know, part of the society is, you know, <clears throat> outside of business too. 
Well, it's interesting having this discussion and just seeing how different everybody's work days, work weeks are like and how that interacts with each other. I think we could probably um, bring eight more people on the couch and there would be eight other totally yeah, different styles. And yet we still have to make it work together as a team toward a common goal. So it's it's interesting. The, the hill we climb in the creative industry all together, pushing each other down, spilling mm-hmm. coffee on each other. Yeah, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, if uh, you enjoyed listening to this content and you want to hear more of it, you can subscribe, you can like our content here, you can leave us a review, if it, but only if you liked it. If you didn't like us, just leave us alone. Why are you hanging out here? Um, if you think you have better ideas than us about what we should be talking about, we would love to know that. OrangeNebula.com slash topics. You can go in there. You can leave some community question ideas, some main topic ideas, some compliments. I would love some compliments. Maybe just put some compliments in there. I'd like it. Um, but that's all. Okay. We appreciate you all so much for spending some time here with us. I appreciate you three and, um, let's get the heck out of here. We all just appreciate Krista. I Mostly think. that's it's what really it is. what it is. Aww. We know that by now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Krista. Thank you. <laughs> Bye everybody. That's all, Put that in. I'm no. just kidding. Stop <laughs> telling him what to put in. It's his job. <laughs> Don't tell him um, what to do, Derek. You got a notebook over there? You got a notebook? Can you write, write this, this down? Write this down? I know you're not writing. <laughs> <laughs>